from Chicago. This is the Chavrusa. I'm Rabbi Avram Kivalevich. And I'm Rabbi Kalman Warch. Tonight we'd like to discuss a, a subject that, when it comes up, we know it usually makes a big splash in town. And that's the opening of a restaurant and dealing with the openings of restaurants. Uh, generally, when a restaurant does open in town, uh, it's usually pointed to as something special. Uh, people talk about it. There's a buzz about it. People point to the opening of a restaurant as one more notch in the sophistication of this of their city. They feel that by the opening of a restaurant, they can ac- actually attract people to come there. And people do take into account when they move to a certain city or town, oh, they have this many amount of restaurants. Sure. And- sure. Right. When one takes a roster of a town and he views the various Jewish amenities that are in the city, kosher restaurants is right up there. And we actually don't want to talk about the process and the painstaking and important process it is to make these restaurants to become kosher. Uh, especially um, the um, keeping of the hechsher and the, the level of kashrus of that restaurant, which is really um, based all on what the machshirim um, or the rabbis of that community feel that that community should have. That's really not our issue. And um, I, I really don't think our issue either is as to who should be allowed to open a restaurant, who is trusted to open a restaurant. Well, it's and not our issue. Obviously, we, we're not advocating any sort of opening of restaurant for people that are not trustworthy. But uh, but that, that's uh, relied on the rabbis of the community. What we re- really want to talk about is there are other issues that come up once you do have a restaurant, or even in the deciding of how a restaurant or what a restaurant should be like, um, there are a few issues that come up. Again, beyond whether the restaurant is itself kosher, uh, there was an article recently in a national newspaper that actually brought up uh, the idea of is it right to open a restaurant where that will force uh, undue competition to other t- eateries and other places around. Which means that we have the rules of competition, which would say that um, the community should not allow or um, at least... Um, some feel that they should not allow for another restaurant to open that would compete and not necessarily um, raise the quality or lower the prices of the food in general. So we see that there's issues besides the kasharut of the food that's being served. The question is, should this restaurant open or not? Uh, I was... So that's really um, an issue for each community to decide. But um, we see that those are factors that come up. We see that that it isn't just about if we can make it kosher, we will do so. Uh, clearly, there are issues beyond whether the food that you're going to consume uh, is ritually slaughtered and uh, conforms to the laws of kashrut. I think there was another point that we saw recently. Actually, we spoke to I spoke to someone the other day who told me about a major kashrut organization <coughs> that had to threaten to lift the heksher off of an establishment uh, that was providing its customers with the sounds of a woman singing. And again, the food was 100% kosher. And when the one of the customers actually had complained beforehand, and the response of the proprietor was, well, I have the heksher, I have the, the certification of this company. And therefore, everything that goes on within its four walls is part of the heksher. Uh, so, so that's really the question. Can I give a heksher to a place that the place will cause other halachic issues which the rabbi would never advocate. But is he here to make sure that the food is kosher or that everything that goes on within the restaurant is actually um, 
um, according to um, Jewish religious now it's, Orthodox well, law. What's, well, what's second comment? Clearly, everything that goes within the restaurant is not necessarily within the control of the owner of said establishment. Uh, a, a question that came up recently, and I heard this from a, a rabbi in New York, that a cruise line that was offering, I'm sure, a wonderful trip and uh, in some wonderful vacation area where there was mixed dancing and uh, that was part of what the cruise line was offering along with the kosher food. A major kosher organization in the United States lifted their heksher. They took their heksher away because they felt that they couldn't uh, allow their name to be associated with behavior that was not orthodox and behavior that was just as illegal, according to the Torah, as perhaps consuming things that were illegal to eat. Uh, so now, you, you said that um, they didn't want to associate. What we're trying to say is that maybe there should be more than just disassociation, but that if they were to be part of it, they wouldn't just be associating, they would be um, advocating and stamping that this is an okay thing to do in a way. I don't see I don't see there's any room for the rabbi to say anything. The rabbi, again, the rabbi can tell the proprietor uh, that he cannot provide things that are against the Torah in any way, shape, or form besides the food. Otherwise, he disassociates himself. But here, the fact that we have boys and girls associating in a way that you perhaps would say is objectionable or against halacha. Yeah, the rabbi should be able to um, come to the owner of the store and say this is something that we do not like. This is a problem. This is causing issues in our community. We would like you to either take care of this or we will have to remove our hefshah oh, and second. therefore Are stop Are we going to now be able to police? How much can we police owners? How, can much, how, can we, how much can we police owners uh, if they're trying in good faith to run a, a kosher orthodox establishment? Well, then it, it really – that's what I'm saying. It depends on why is this place bringing about a hangout. I mean there are places that um, – are open till who knows when in the middle of the night, and they have this friendly, open, um, carefree atmosphere, and they sell to anyone well, anything. Well, and there are... This really, it just says, okay, um, if, you, if you're looking for somewhere to hang out, come to me. Well, again, so you're saying that you would you would ask the supervising organization uh, to set limits as to how late these stores are open. No, I don't know if so much the time, but there are many different ways. I think. Oh, well, you know that way before you started frequenting restaurants, Kalman, there was uh, many restaurants you couldn't get in unless uh, you were dressed properly, and properly didn't just mean no shirt, no shoes, no service. You had to have a jacket, and you had to perhaps even have a tie. Uh, it's not unusual for dress codes to be imposed. However, again, if the restaurant is an informal dining area, uh, you're going to might you might run into a problem having the owner tell people how they're supposed to dress or how they're supposed to act in the restaurant if they're not making a public nuisance. Well, then themselves. the community should not um, be asking to have such a place, which is only causing them more trouble than it's giving them. Okay. Well, one second. It's possible that there are certain communities that the younger people are already gathering. They're already gathering. They're already socializing. That's already a fact. Uh, and in those communities, the restaurant or is the only place that perhaps they could get together where we know they're keeping kosher and perhaps there will be other parents and other people from the communities there. It might be that the rest, having the restaurants there is a way to pretty much curtail any sort of inappropriate behavior. This reminds me of the interesting 
Psaac, although it was controversial in its time, of Reblazer Silver, who was the chief rabbi of Cincinnati and also, in a sense, the chief rabbi of the Agudat name of the United States. And he actually allowed the Jewish Community Center of Cincinnati to be open on Shabbos, even though you wouldn't expect it, such a thing. He allowed certain heterim for swimming and where the... Uh, uh, where the bathing suits had to be put into special vinyl bags and that the loudspeakers could only be used by non-Jewish employees. Uh, a lot of things which would sound strange to our ears, but when he was asked to explain this psak, and of course he was a, a world-renowned uh, Talmudic genius, he said, if we don't do this, then what will these kids be doing? They'll probably be going to the movies, they'll probably be going, engaging in total non-Jewish activities. Perhaps by having the JCC Again, you're talking open. about Cincinnati. When is this? Um, when you were young, uh, 1800s? Yes, yes. It was, uh, it was way back when. No, no. It was, it was 1961 or 1962. This is not 1962 anymore. Yes, I know that. However, the idea is, is that the Psak in one town is not the Psak for a different but town. But I'm talking about for the basic community that wants to develop into a um, growing Jewish community and you're putting in obstacles by saying well let's have this restaurant and this restaurant is going to be here and knowing i mean you can usually tell that this restaurant is going to be the type of thing which is going to become a hangout there are some cities I'm that don't truck. allow places because we think you're going to be a hangout That's in blaybrock there's no place open after nine o'clock and um, i think blaybrock is doing quite well and Lakewood, until recently, has had no sit-down restaurants. But obviously, B'nai Brock and even Lakewood, yes, this is not uh, the areas that, we've, that we're referring to. We're talking about a place where a kosher restaurant is a happening. And those places are usually places far away from the major metropolitan areas. Yes, clearly, we have to, the rabbis should be involved in making sure it doesn't develop into something uh, that, that that goes against everything that Judaism stands for. But on the other hand, having these restaurants might actually uh, be a boon for these for these places. I'm not saying that we should encourage as much socializing as possible, but when the socializing is happening anyway, it's better that the socializing should be happening in a restaurant than perhaps in somewhere unseemly. That's true. There are some kids who, um, if they wouldn't be hanging out at this kosher restaurant, who knows where they would be. But there are some kids who would... Would not without these obstacles have grown up in a um, fashion that their parents would want them to, or their rabbi in the community would want them to, and instead they're being influenced and being um, drawn there. Well, again, the... I think the, the rabbis of every community have to have some good sense. Are we opening a channel to something that we haven't had? Or are we basically limiting what's been going on? I think that's really what it comes down to. The rabbis have to have some horse sense about what's going on in but my community. I, I don't or, see or, it. I don't see it. I see communities that are growing, and as they grow, the amount of restaurants and the amount of places that um, boys and girls hang out with in a with a kosher stamp um, increase. Um, more problems arise, and the larger a city gets the more problems it has rather than strengthening itself and being able to protect itself better. Kamenio, I, I agree with you that sometimes the restaurant might portend something that we don't really want. Uh, an article that I saw recently talked about the success of a delicatessen placed on the Vegas Strip right across the street from one of the premier casinos. And in the article, it describes how now that having this delicatessen 
right in this prime area, would allow Jewish customers to spend their whole Shabbos at the casino. Now, here's something I think we both agree uh, I don't think should never have gotten could, I don't think anyone could argue with that. I mean, that's that's just completely ridiculous. Um, besides for the um, decadence and other issues that um, exist in Las Vegas, there's the gambling issue. And to excuse the pun... They're literally feeding the problem. We'll just I mean, say that we're against the Vegas restaurant. Yeah, I, think we just say I mean, that much we can agree with, that if a rabbi is going to say, um, I'm going to give a hechsher to a restaurant that is in Las Vegas or in any other place where basically, um, I- I'm sorry to say this, but a from Orthodox person should not be there. I just see it too much that in too many places um, there are restaurants that are opening up which are just causing problems. So the question now is, should the rabbi who is giving the hechsher say, well, um, I'm not just giving a hechsher on the food. I have to make sure that everything that happens in your um, in your place... In the parking lot, too? In the parking lot, Okay, everywhere. so I think over here we're, we're, we're already down a slippery slope that might lead to uh, a impossibility of giving Akshayram. And again, Kalman, you can't have your quick fix solutions to complex problems. What we have here is a community that needs to be measured and thought about. The same way you spoke about the idea of Hasagat Gvul, of competition, every case has to be taken in its measure. I think there's I'm a good rule of... that I've seen cases that anyone that would take these cases into mind would see that there's a problem and would at least address the issue, not so much even to take away the hechsher, not going so far, but to at least come out and the rabbis the community... Of the, the rabbis of the community have to speak at their pulpits and speak about the problems that happen. If the rabbis get the message to the parents, the parents get it to the children, then the restaurants can function normally, even according to Allah, according to your standards. I still think that this is somewhat the responsibility of the people who are... Um, um, giving the hechsher. Okay, listen, you're listening to the Chavrusa, and we'll be going weiter after these messages. Okay, we're back. Um, Yeah, thank you. Uh, Now that I know that, I can go on. Okay. Um, Really, without sounding too philosophical, uh, or maybe sounding like a chapter out of Gulliver's Travels, but there are a lot of things that happen in society that really we take for granted as being normal. And if one were to open his mind for a second and think about why is this really here, I want to talk about restaurants. Why would a community have a restaurant? I mean, if if you'd go back a thousand years and say that why why people, do why why do people like to go to restaurants? Why, why maybe do restaurants exist at all? I mean, if you want to eat, you go to your fridge and you take out food. Why would you pack up your family, go to a different place, and go eat with other people? So really, what is well, part the of whole it is, idea of a part restaurant? Part of it is part. Well, well, obviously, it depends. Part of it is perhaps not packing your family and finding a place to go. I don't know if I agree with you that every housewife would be able to cook up the meals prepared in restaurants. Yes. No one goes to restaurants for the the, food. Okay, you're right. I think think that's pretty much it. If people would be going to restaurants for food, we would just have takeout places where people would take their food and take it home and eat it. Right. The food brings them back. If the food is horrible, if it's rancid, people aren't aren't coming. Go ahead. Obviously, don't eat in a place where the food is bad. But really... 
Um, people go to her, to answer your question. I would assume that part of the reason people go is because of the environment. The environment of a restaurant, if you think about it, is really a very – it could be a very pleasant place, a place that is almost stress-free. The people that greet you have big smiles on their faces. They're not interested in getting deeply into your life. They're not in competition to you. They're actually serving you. And they're so happy to see you there. They're at your beck and call. So and what you're saying is people go to restaurants to get um, – they have a 24-hour stressful day. They want to take two of those hours and maybe just exit all the problems that I, they have. I think, I think that's a very large part of it. I think going to the restaurant is a new environment. It's an environment where you don't have to go anything more than – what your name is. So I think what really you do. What, what the question could be is why does everything have to revolve around food? Clearly, the Torah actually uh, exhorts us not to be a zolil vesove. And health professionals are telling us about the alarming rate of the obesity of the populace of the United States. Going out to restaurants with huge portions and eating to our heart's content is clearly <laughs> not a positive thing. I, I think our issue at this point is why do we have restaurants? Do we have to have restaurants because they seem to be breeding problems? Well, again, uh, especially... Uh, you, in- I, I, I mean, you're right. It could be that and um, we could make these restaurants better. There are certain topics that need to be addressed by each community. But I think besides that, really, what's the need for people to go and fress well, actually, in order to have a good time? A noted Hasidic leader actually was once pressed as to why he had such firm opposition to going out to a restaurant. The, he could not find a source in the Torah or in the, against going to a restaurant. And he said, well, do I, is there a source in the Torah against bringing a cat to Shalashidas? People don't do that. Cat lovers, I'm sorry. But therefore... It's just not done. It's a private action. It's a type of Yeah, I eating, mean, I, I really think that eating is a private thing. I mean, that's the way it should be. Coming together and watching people sit there with food slobbering over themselves, slobbering. and they're all gathering, and this is our place of getting together. There's proper restaurant etiquette, but we know that there are many restaurants that have specifically uncomfortable chairs in order to limit the amount of time people are there. It's not necessarily, you're right, it's not the type of thing where we see necessarily the great nobility of the human soul. So I think really besides for the whole um, halachic issues that come up, really shouldn't the community be providing outlets for teenagers, providing outlets for families, providing outlets for couples so that they can um, take time out of their day? Okay, so maybe maybe what we're saying is instead of, crowing over the greatness of our community that we have this kosher franchise or whatever it might be, perhaps the rabbi should say, we understand how important it is. Maybe we could ask the same way communities have, rabbis have asked their constituents to limit the sizes of their weddings and bar mitzvahs. Maybe we can say the family should go out to eat once a week. For those of you who aren't familiar, I just want to um, expand a little bit on that reference you just made, that the rabbis have gone out of their way to tell people that there's a certain amount of pressure that people feel at simchas, at weddings, at bar mitzvahs, that they have to put on had, a show. They've had no qualm telling families, no, you can't invite more than 400 people. 
And uh, because really the pressure that people feel that they have to show that they're able to provide, and even though they really can't provide, has really caused problems. So we've seen the rabbis of the communities come out and say, "Listen, these are this is causing problems. Let's limit. Let's downsize." And really, they could do that here now, too. Again, this would cause a, a, a tr- tremendous uproar. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying that maybe we can tell people. Uh, Again, the community, the people who own the restaurants are coming and saying, hey, support us. We are your community. We are the symbol of pride of your community. We want our community supporting us. Well, then we might I, have the rabbis. I think you can we tell might have the, the rabbi- owner of the yeah. restaurant, well, in that case, conform to what we want. But we want the rabbi. But now we're saying something else. Till now, Kalman, in our last segment, the way many hours ago, you were talking about limiting the non-halachic behavior. Now we're talking about, in general, limiting the experiences of going out to eat. Which, which is would... really bothered by the fact that people are misbehaving. Why is there not enough pressure being placed? Is there? Again, I think perhaps a system can be worked out where families are encouraged to support their kosher... Uh, now, now, I'm not denying that a community should support its... Um, restaurants, by all means, people should go out and uh, help out. And perhaps what the rabbis can be encouraged to do is to limit one family outing a week. And if you want to use the restaurant's facilities, to take out the other times and bring the food home. Well, I don't know if we need to give exact timing, but we could definitely, the rabbi can tell his community, um, listen, if if you really need to take out um, go to the restaurant, pick up the food, and bring it home. There shouldn't be as much. Without giving specific numbers, I don't know if that's necessary, but definitely they should say, I mean, it, it's just too much. There are people that go out to restaurants all the time, and besides for the economic strain that they're putting on themselves, because maybe they're lazy or I, I don't know what exactly it What is. we need is other great good places. We need other places that people can go. That and, really is the problem. There are and, no other outlets. If I need to get well, uh, away perhaps, from my stress, well, that's, that's, I have to go to the restaurant. That's why we're here. And we hope that's why we're here. So maybe we should think about some other possibilities, taking walks with your wife, going out in the family, uh, especially now in the summer times and uh, just experiencing time Can together. Can it be that there should be park time, that um, families should pick um, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock is a time when I take my kids to the park and the swings and the slides and play baseball. And really, if you've got to get away from it, why don't you sit on the bench while your kids play yeah. ball? I don't want to um, talk about education and how our teenagers should be treated, but the fact is that if you take go drive down to the restaurants or to the coffee shops that are in the non-Jewish areas, there is one, two people there. There really is no hangout. Uh, but when it comes to Jewish communities, there's sometimes this group of 15 and 20, and it's not because um, our kids are worse. It's really because... If if because if we would only know what those kids are doing, those non-Jewish kids, that's why they're not okay. there. The bars, Our kids okay, are the really bars within... and the pickup places. Obviously, there aren't those in the Jewish community. Thank God. But so what really, you're saying is, what gets shuttled into that is similar behavior in the Jewish restaurants. Definitely on a lower scale. But this really is their place for those kids who are somewhat um, becoming loose. This really is their place. And I think if we had a more family-oriented um, place for people to get away from, I don't think that would bring them. If anything, it would cause them to be with their families and maybe some friends, but not this huge group of teenagers that are hanging out outside in the parking lot of a restaurant, smoking 
and doing all kinds of things. I think your theory about restaurants, Jewish versus non-Jewish, can actually be tested out in areas that have a kosher restaurant, albeit owned by a non-Jew and mostly frequented by non-Jews. Yes, there are such restaurants. I know Seattle has a couple of those restaurants. And now we're not really discussing the question of whether those places, since they're not Jewish, whether they should get a hechsher. Again, those are the That's those the places are all specific exceptions. Um, uh, and the rabbis felt that they had no choice and they had to give an hechsher. But that's well, really not our but issue. One, right. But, we're, but we're, one, we're, one can look there and see, yes, because in those restaurants, what's going on there? Perhaps because the... It, it's I have seen a, this personally where there are the there's the Jewish hangout where there's a 10, 15, maybe 20 Jewish boys and girls. And because there's this large group, non-Jewish people who will also enter this place of eating... And will come out and hang out, and they get involved. They become friends. Okay. So they talk to each other. Actually, causing we're actually making the non-Jews worse. I mean, that's a well. Really I don't, I'm not really worried about them, but the fact is that how many seem that, to have studied this issue quite well? Uh, unfortunately, I don't get a chance to get out as much as you do. But uh, uh, I mean, I know because it, it's pretty obvious. So I, I really think we need to um, find, provide some alternative solutions. A, a, a simple solution for the parents might be, even though some communities do provide, but maybe a health club, a place where people can go to um, relax, exercise, a place relieve some stress. Where, again, the interaction there is on a limited way where you know the person next to you. And even the communities that do provide that, maybe there isn't enough push in the community to, if you need to get away, just come join us. And perhaps just sitting around instead of of competing on the guy on the Stairmaster next to you. But just perhaps it's a place where you don't need to give more than your name. Perhaps you can just talk and and let loose a little bit. And the people that do go and play some basketball in the um, community gym, um, they do feel good and they get away from it. And it does help them live their day. After all, it's only a game. And if they lose, they lose. And And those hour, two hours that they put in there... Just is much better than just going okay. and. Okay, um, the health professionals already told us the great uh, benefits of exercise, and part of that exercise is not only getting the endorphins going, but actually doing an activity and feeling good about it, and not feeling the stress that sometimes accompanies other sorts of activities. But I think it's about what the kids want that we perhaps should come up with something, and that's really where we started tonight's show from. And perhaps there's other things that we could provide our ch- our children for, our, our teenagers for, ways that there are perhaps shuls that can be restored. You're right. There are shuls in Jewish neighborhoods that are um, existent from the early 20th century that are now falling apart, and every community has something like that. There's nothing that, more. And uh, and. It could be. It could, uh, it be, could it, be a good idea that maybe we should. It could be pay fun. these kids. It could not just or, be a good, not, or provide a, and it's, some kind of. But it I could still be fun, think it could be fun would... for them to perhaps work on restoring shoals, work on helping out at parks and, and other places, forming leagues. And maybe not only could it be fun, it might even be a, a better way to, if a community has that need, a better way to actually facilitate the socializing that's going to happen whoa, whoa, anyway. Whoa, 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 one second. I, I thought we were trying to avoid causing that socializing and... Um, you're bringing us right back in a circle to that. Common, again, it's, it's a community that the socializing is happening. We don't want it necessarily happening in the negative atmosphere of the restaurant. I still think that 
there's got to the be— The socializing will be a socializing without the posturing and the silliness that probably accompany, which is probably what you're seeing, although no, in you're these right, restaurants. You're right. I, I, it's, I, it's, I can see that it's better for um, kids to be doing something and seeing each other working ev- rather than see, um, just sitting on top of some minivan um, with a cigarette and a um, Slurpee. There's definitely communities where the meeting of boys and girls should be done Al-Tahras HaKodesh with Shaduchim. But where the boys and girls are meeting anyway, it would be great to be able to allow them to meet in a constructive, positive manner, rather than, as you say, in a hangout fashion in the restaurant. So I'm saying you're right that it will cause them to have less problems, but I don't think that that should be part of our agenda, is to say, and we'll also be able to provide a place for them to hang out. We don't want that mixing. The growing community of today, I think you're completely right about that, that we don't provide enough community. Keep on saying that. I'm completely right. (laughs) We don't provide enough community um, things for teenagers to do. And this, I'm really impressed with your idea. But to say that this should be part of um, mingling. Kalman, there's a difference between stating your agenda publicly and knowing what's going to work. Of course, what we say publicly as this is going to help the community. We're going to put our kids to work. We're going to let our kids take their role, take their place as the leaders of the community instead of the hanging outers and hanging honors in the restaurants. I, I think we're, um, we're running out of time, so um, I think we're going to have to continue this discussion later. Um, you've been listening to the Chavrusa, my Chavrusa, Rabbi Avram Kivalevich. And my Chavrusa, Rabbi Kalman Warch. Uh, Kalman, normally I would tell you to stick around, but maybe we'll, we'll grab a bite somewhere and we'll discuss this someplace else.